0: Episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life, coming to you live from Chicago. I'm your host Karthik here with my co-host Nathan. Nathan, what is
1: good, man? What's going on? This is a seminal moment in the history of Thick and Thin Hoops. After four long years, just being able to, you know, do this over Zoom and, and through a pandemic, the rest we finally are in person recording. I think our favorite podcast of the year, the NBA Over-Unders. The season is about to kick off on Tuesday. We've had a bunch of preseason basketball, but the real show starts just two days away from now. And that's why we are going to get, go ahead and pick over-under on all 30 NBA teams. You know, it's funny. We tried to make this happen two years ago.
0: Like, it was literally right around this time I came to Chicago. I was here for like four days, and somehow we never made it happen. And even this trip, I'm about to my flights <clears> <throat> in a couple hours, but we had to make it happen.
1: I wish we had a live studio audience, but... um. We'll get there one day. (laughs) Yeah, I think even the dog left. Um, It's actually kind of funny because we talk all the time separately, just catching up NBA life, whatever. But when we're on the pod, it does feel to some degree that you're kind of presenting in a way, right? When you're on the Zoom, uh, you're used to doing it through work or whatever else. So the fact that we're now in person, but still kind of have the pod personas is going to be an interesting combination. Where you're sort of talking, sort of being yourself, but then also like you're on a mic and folks might may or may not be listening to us. Probably
0: exactly. not. <laughs> Probably not. Hopefully so. But um, but yeah, man, I'm excited for the season. Season five for us, as we talked about, I think, on the last pod. Um, and we talked about a little bit of why we're so excited this year more than other years. But I think with over unders, especially, looking through these, I find it I found it harder to do it this year than any other year. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's because of what we talked about last week with the West all jumbled up. Uh, even the East, there's a lot of uncertainty with some of those teams up top. It's going to be interesting. So I, I I hope we actually differ on a lot of our picks this time. Because I know that's one thing we always end up thinking the
1: same on a lot of these. So before we start, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. I've not asked you to do this ahead of time. But as you look towards the season, are there three players and or teams that you're most intrigued to see how they come out? Ooh. You can do teams, one. you could do players. Sometimes those are kind of one and the same. I think I have two teams, one player.
0: Two teams, one player. Okay.
1: I'm going to go with...
0: Uh, Phoenix seems the obvious answer, but I don't know if we'll learn that much during the regular season. You know, we'll have to wait to the postseason. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with... I'm go Orlando. I was literally about to say Orlando. I God. think Orlando has such an this intriguing so set of talent. And the way they finished last year, um, they were a good team. And so I, I really – And you know, this is giving maybe a peek into the what I'm going to say about over-under. But I think that they're going to be an interesting. And they're a fun team to watch. Right. So that's why I've got Orlando. And then the other one I'll probably pick – I'll pick Dallas. I just think that this – they have to they're committed to this Kyrie Luca pairing. They have to make it work. So I don't know how well it's gonna work, but it'll be interesting to watch how it unfolds the rest of the season. And if Luca every year he's the MVP um uh, kind of the the favorite, best odds, yeah. the MVP
1: favorite going into the season. Let's see. Maybe that actually pans out this year. I don't know. I haven't seen him recently. He's like plus five fifty or plus six hundred, right? So he's yeah. pretty up there. Is it him and Jokic and Giannis basically I think top so. three? I think yeah. They're all in the top. So, I would say Orlando is a good one. That was kind of where I was heading. But if I had to pick a different that I kind of think is Orlando's counterpart in the West, it's Oklahoma City. Now, the Thunder have more top-end talent, I would say, than the Magic, right? They obviously have a first-team all-NBA player in uh, SGA. They have, you know, Chet, who's looked really good in preseason, Jalen Williams. But they still haven't done it yet. And there's still a collection of young guys who haven't really won. I think both for Orlando as well as Oklahoma City, you're going to expect some all-star talent Buzz, I mean, SGA, if he's healthy, is an all-star lock, but Paolo, Wagner, you know, in the in the, in the Oklahoma City side, you got Giddy, you got some of these guys that should take the next step and go from, wow, that's a nice, interesting team, to, like, this is actually a team that can contend. Um, and I got to throw Wemby out there, too, man, like, just in terms of, like, what we're watching. I think you sent me that clip. Every, it was floating around on Twitter. It was, like, 90 seconds of Wemby or whatever. I don't know if you saw it, but... Yep. Um, what he can do at both ends, that size, that fluidity. I mean, I really didn't – everyone talked about him as like the best prospect since LeBron, and you saw the clips. and But you just never know what it's going to look like against NBA talent with his body, you know, with his just almost a, a hindrance how tall he is. But it hasn't seemed to matter through what we've seen in the preseason. So I am super excited to watch him. I know you're excited
0: about Wemby, but let's be real. You played with him in 2K24 for, like, three <laughs> games this
1: weekend. And I think that's what's got you Dude, really hyped. <laughs> he looked like a cross between Kareem and, like, rubber band Man. Like, it was wild what he was doing out there. Like, just blocking shots, taking guys off the dribble. They made him in 2K. If he's this unfair – I think you said this. If he's this unfair as a rookie, before we even actually have real NBA footage, what is he going to be like in the games to come? Just, yeah. Like, I could see him in the – early, low 90s next year alone. I mean, A-minus and three-point. like, I know. And the guy shot like 30% from three in France. But I'm like, yeah, I'm with it. I could see him being like a 38, 39% three-point shooter. I think for players, I didn't answer that one. But I think the person
0: I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, it's kind of basic. I'm just going to go Dame in Milwaukee. Mm. I I think. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's just, it should work on paper. Dame is still elite. As we saw, I think, last season in the games he did play. But at the same time, he's getting older. It's how is he going to fit in this kind of the machine that is the Milwaukee Bucks and not Portland where everything is geared around him. Mm -hmm.
1: So I'm interested in seeing that and how it works, especially in the postseason. Well, I mean, yeah, they're going to be ridiculous offensively. And even in the regular season, there's going to be a lot you can take from it because they don't have like, you know, a team like Milwaukee who's already won a title, who's got, you know, year – 8, nine, ten for guys like Chris Middleton, Giannis, even Brooke Lopez has now been there for five, six years, Bobby Portis. Usually that team is going to coast in the regular season, right? They're just trying to get to April healthy. With these guys, because they made such a monster trade in terms of shaking up their core, they need to play their way into consistency. They can't just be like, yeah, we're fine. As good as Dame is, as good as Giannis is, that pick and roll pairing, we know it's going to be ridiculous. Like you can't just assume like, oh, it's all – like we're good, like we're going to have that chemistry, that that continuity. They have to actually play hard, um, at least at least at spots. Like they're still going to try to manage, but, you know, it's an older team. But but I, I do think more than like a – call it like a, you know, the Lakers who have now had that core together a little while, they can probably take it a little slower. Yep. And Agent Griffin, you got a
0: new coach in there, so who right. knows how that will change the way they run things too. Yep. Um, cool. And – you have the records from what we did last year, right?
1: Yeah. Want to read that out? So last year, and and we apologize on air to Kush and that we did not get his picks in time this year. Completely forgot. So Kush, we'll get those from you later. You and I both went 19 and 11, which is excellent. Kush, solid. He had beaten us the last couple of years before that, but he went 17 and 13, which again, nothing to, you know sneeze at, but also not probably as Bill Simmons would say, telling your grandkids about it um locks that's the most interesting thing you went six and oh on locks we do three in the east three in the west you were six and oh i was five and one and then kush was four and two so all we're saying is if you tailed any of us you're going home a rich man so hopefully you follow suit this year and place these bets again before tuesday when things kick tip off
0: I might have to play some bets this weekend because uh, I got Fanduel. Final yeah, this app.
1: dude is freaking fiending. We're sitting at the bar watching Iowa Minnesota. These teams are three three deep in the fourth quarter. It's like maybe the worst game of all time. And Karthik spinning up all sorts of crazy like rush yard parlays with these guys. And I'm dude, like, I mean, as a California guy, man, we don't have access to this. Hey, I've been dude, this there. Shit's like crack. The it first, is bad. the first day that I opened the app and actually started using it when in, uh, Illinois legalized it. I don't remember exactly when they legalized it, but the first game I ever bet on was uh, Chiefs-Buccaneers-Super Bowl, the c- COVID year. So I guess this was February 21, right, when they actually played the game. Yep. Loaded up everything on Kansas City. I was all over Mahomes, props, Tyreek Hill, et cetera, et cetera, and they just got their faces pushed in. And I was like, all right, that's gambling. I'm ready to go. You should have consulted me before you made those bets. No, with your emotional ask, you would have told me to do the same thing. I would thing. have told you the same. I actually yeah. bet on Kansas City. Exactly. Exactly. So you won't even let me take the Bucks today versus Atlanta. You're like, no, it's a stay away game. Scary yeah. Desmond Ritter offense. <laughs> um, all right, let's jump into it. So we're just going to do the Eastern Conference first, and then we'll do the Western Conference. And we're going to go in alphabetical order. First up, the Atlanta Hawks. Their over under is 41 and a half. They went 41 and 41 last year. Lost to Boston in round one. They pretty much bring back the same core. Um, the only major loss is John Collins, who they traded for a bag of potato chips, to Utah, and they added Patty Mills. Otherwise, their core stays intact. Quinn Snyder, of course, is now in seat for a full summer. He came in, strangely, you know, midway through the year last year. And Sadiq Bay. also they traded for at the deadline, is now kind of part of their rotation. So where do you have Atlanta? I've got the... Over okay, give me a lock, lock it
0: in. Wow, I love this. Over look, it's 41 and a half. They finished 40, 41, 41 last year, 500 team. They were up and down team all season. I think, um, they were oscillating literally like they'd win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. But towards the end, I think with Quinn Snyder, their offense was humming. I think they figured out and they kind of figured out. They shipped John Collins this offseason. He was a little bit of a malcontent. But he was a malcontent. Towards the end of the season, I think his minutes were also much lower. They figured out how to work without him. The offense was still humming. Uh, DeJounte and Trey is a little bit of an awkward pairing, but I think that in that Snyder system, they figured out a way to make it work. And this team was really good down the stretch and gave Boston a fit in some of those games. So... I like the over. I think they're better than 500. They're definitely in the 6-7 range in the East, but I think 43-44 wins, I like
1: them for that. So give me the over. I'm in as an over as well, so starting start off one for one here. I don't have it as a lock for all the reasons you mentioned. I think most specifically, the DeJounte trade pairing was a little awkward, like you said at first. But on top of that, DeJounte was an upcoming free agent. So I think there was a lot of talk, all right, is he going to stick around? Is he not? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they locked him into what I consider to be like a home run contract, it was four years, $120 million. So imagine he's making less than Devin Vassell at this point. Uh, I thought that was a really good deal for him. I'm almost surprised he didn't take it to free agency, but you know, maybe he just wanted the certainty. And the reality is Quinn Snyder is a coaching wizard. He was awesome in Utah. Once he got his bearings under him in Atlanta, they did better. I actually thought they played really well versus Boston and clearly overmatched talent-wise, but just the way they fought back took that series to six. And then, yeah, John Collins had turned into like a glorified Rudy Gay at that point. So it didn't matter that he's gone. I'm curious kind of how they play. You know, I guess they go DeAndre Hunter at the four. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Do they start a Congo and Capella together? Probably not. So I'm interested. Big year for Hunter, dude. He got a four-year, ninety million dollar deal, and has been kind of ass since then. Yeah. It's not been great. So I'm not sure. Like the version of him that's the best version is like enticing, but what we've actually seen, I don't know. It's uh, not getting me super excited. But we hopefully he has more minutes, more space without Collins. I think he'll
0: he'll have a better year this year without Collins there, with the full off season with him being. I think he will start at the four. Yeah. But it's yeah, still TBD. I, you know, I hesitated about putting this a lock, but I, I just think that, um, I think coaching gets you to above five hundred. Good coaching with enough talent can easily get you to above five hundred. So should we? I don't like anyone in the East that much more.
1: So at what point are we a little nervous that we are now on coach number four? Is it three or four? For, for, Trey? for, for Trey.
0: Uh, I mean a little bit. I think this is his last. At this point, if it's not working with Quinn Snyder, they have to do some serious self-reflection with, is this the right star to build around? Mm Because Trey is still the guy they're building around. But I wouldn't jump to that conclusion just yet. Nate McMillan, honestly, he lasted longer than he should have. He got that
1: extension. I think because they made that, like, really... One run. And it was, like, total fool's gold. Because that was the Ben Simmons, like, complete meltdown. Kevin Herter
0: went off in Game 7. Like, all these things that happened. So... I'm not going to hold
1: it to him against him yet, but it is something to look out for. Trey also 161 and 192 in his career. So oh. not ideal. Even if you take out season one, he's basically hovering around 500 his whole career. Yeah. Which is kind of indicative of the way this team plays. Like, I think it was the last year, the year before, they had this streak where they never won or lost more than like three games in a row. Um, yeah, yeah. Which exactly. is just They're like, right. <laughs> kind of like, all right, well, when you're sitting on a 41 and a half over under, that's the ride you, you're signing up for.
0: But that's why I like them. They never, like, they weren't, didn't get into these hot or cold streaks. So, I don't know, on a night-to-night basis, you could relatively trust them not to shit the bed. So, right. So, with a better coach, uh, I think they'll be better.
1: So, anyways. All right. Boston Celtics. We've talked about them a good bit uh, after the Dame and Drew trades. Their over-under is 54-and-a-half. Last year they went 57-and-25. As we remember, they were down 3-0 to Miami before tying it up and losing in Game 7 in the Conference Finals. You know, second in offense, second in defense, but really they made fundamental changes to their core. So out is Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, and Marcus Smart, of all, you know, most importantly. In, you have Drew Holiday, you have Kristaps Porzingis, uh, for the most part, of course, O'Shea Brissett sort of rounding out the back end of the bench. Fundamental shift in philosophy here. Um, Fifty-four and a half. I am not locked big time over, though. As close as you can get without locking that in. I think they're going to be awesome. And a lot of people are worried about the injury concerns and the age concerns with Porzingis and Horford. I think that's totally valid. However, I will say their three best players, Tatum, Brown, and Holiday, all play. And Derek White, who's a really, really good role player, he also plays all the time. And so, short of a phantom injury to one of those guys that you really, really can't forecast at this point, I would be, uh, you know, stunned if if you you're seeing a lot of lackluster play from them. And I think they're pissed off because last year ended somewhat embarrassingly. And Tatum, it's time to kind of shit shitter get off the pop a little bit, right? In terms yeah. of being this MVP caliber guy,
0: absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on this one. I'm gonna go over. I wanted to go under before they made the holiday trade. I was actually going to go under on whatever their total was. But to your point, Holiday gives them such a high floor. Right. And the Marcus Smart was not that great last year. He was coming off a deep defensive player of the year season. And we already know offensively they that team hates him. Like literally Tatum Brown they all hate him. Um it made things clunky. I mean, they finished second an offensive rating last year, so it wasn't that detrimental. I just think clearing him out, bringing in Holiday, who knows his role, plays his role. Right. The only concern I have with this team is Peyton Pritchard just
1: got paid, so how motivated <laughs> – I'm just kidding. No, that won't matter. But yeah. where is the locker room dissent <laughs> when Peyton Pritchard's not picking up enough uh, dinner bills? I, I Honestly, Jalen Brown should be picking up everyone's bills. Oh, yeah, he got 30. paid, so that should definitely not be a storyline this year. Um, you know, Tatum is going to get that same deal – this coming summer. Oh, yeah. Which will be mm-hmm. on an even higher cap number. So that's going to be – they, and they set the precedent, right, with Jalen. So they're yeah. not going to not pay Tatum. That's another $300 million contract. But anyway.
0: Yeah, at least with that, you always knew they were going to give it to him. Jalen Brown is the big question mark, and he got the contract. So I like it. I don't think there's much to, to think here except injury issues. But this team is always humming 55-plus mm-hmm. wins. So why not once again?
1: Brooklyn. All right. Brooklyn so brooklyn's over under where am i is 37 and a half so they did go 45 and 37 last year however a lot of that those wins came with uh two guys by the name of kevin durant and kyrie irving who are of course no longer on that roster lost in the first round pretty quickly to philadelphia i think it was a sweep if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. um they didn't make a lot of changes to the roster they ended last year with i don't even know if they added anybody to that core i mean I guess the big one is Ben Simmons, who had a real great uh, workout warrior summer uh, of videos. He, he always is one of the top Instagram people from, you know, July to October. But this year, I feel like he took his game to a new level online. So you, you have to commend him for that. Um, yeah, man, this is a middling team. 37 and a half. It sounds like pe- Vegas is sort of predicting them to be toward towards the back half of that play in mix. But where do you have them? I have a solid under
0: on this one. I just – I feel like everyone's on the under and the same logic. Well, last year they had Durant to bump up to 45. But I don't like this – I mean, this roster is nice. Everyone talks about, oh, they have all these wings. I think it's nice from a trade asset value standpoint. From yeah. a team construction, like what you're trusting, Dinwiddie, Simmons, like uh, Finney Smith. Like these guys are not going to um, – win you a ton of games. Uh, I think they are all, and this is also a team that I think can ship some of these guys out, a contender desperate at the trade deadline. I still don't think they're done rebuilding this roster. I think the reason they kept it intact was not because they think it's very competitive, but I think that they know they've got a lot of good assets. And this is the year where they can kind of start to do some tweaks, trade some guys, and really build around Mikel Bridges and also see what Simmons has. Like, is Simmons actually that guy or is it just going to be a failed experiment once again? so I'm going under I
1: pretty con- I'm not locking it but I'm pretty confident that they won't touch 38. This is my first lock I'm on okay. the under. I just think like if you look at the trade since the trades were made last year inclusive of the playoffs, they went 12 and 19. And I thought Bridges had like a couple fire out of his ass games. Like, do you remember that they came back from Boston, like down 26 and Bridges goes fucking bananas. Do you yeah. remember that game? Yeah, yeah. So a couple games like that, there were probably should not have been wins. And they were, I don't trust the point guard play. And I don't trust the big man play like Claxton's solid, but I don't know that Claxton's like a 35 minute a night big. And what are they really like? Are they going to throw out Darren Sharp? Are they going to throw out like super small ball lineups with DFS or Simmons at the five? Like, I'm not sure those are good enough. They don't have enough talent. To me, Bridges showing out last year, he averaged 27 a game, uh, 26 a game when he was with Brooklyn in 27 games, which is really, really impressive. I mean, he 48% from the field, 38% from three. So it was not like he dropped in efficiency as the volume picked up. I think that's really promising. However, he's not a one, right? And you're asking him to be a one. And not only are you asking that, who is the, who is the two? Because... Like, I look at this team and I'm like, there's a bunch of threes and fours on here. I'm I'm not talking positionally. I'm talking sort of like hierarchy on a team, right? So, and the Ben Simmons thing, I'll be wrong on it, I guess. You know, I'm happy to be wrong that he Wait, what did
0: you say before?
1: No, I'm saying I'm happy to be wrong about him being done and him proving me wrong. Like, I hope he comes back. I hope he plays. I never thought he was that good in Philadelphia. I thought he was super overrated because he was clutch and he looked cool and like he had those cars and shit. Like, I think to me, like, that was more of, like, a buildup of the persona of him versus, like, the reality. Like, him making an all-NBA team, even in his prime, I thought was a joke. Uh, I don't care about his defense, right? And the fact that that happened, I think, has given people a false sense of, like, what is even achievable for him. And I don't think he gets back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he has, settles out as, like, a 10, 6, 7 kind of guy with, like, four field goal attempts a game kind of thing. That's not going to move the needle. You need dudes who... At the end of the day, you know, we'll get to Washington. He needs, he needs a little Jordan Poole in him, I think. <laughs> well, the good news is this is the perfect roster for him to actually go
0: out and just shoot Chuck, no expectations. Yeah. Nobody's going to like, give a shit about these guys. Yeah, players. and, like, if he can't do it here, he's cooked. He's cooked.
1: Like, there's no reason another team should even try trading for him, hoping they can rehabilitate him, right? Because right? he has two years left on the deal, $35 million a year, so it's not like he's cheap. Uh, maybe a Portland or whoever. The problem with Brooklyn is they don't own their picks. So although you could argue they are in a really good draft capital standpoint because of the Durant trade, which is true, and they're betting on Phoenix, they owe a number of their picks to Houston for the Harden trade. So they don't have much sense to bottom out necessarily. Even in the years with pick swaps with Houston, Houston's probably going to be a little bit better than they were last year. So they don't want to be doing anything crazy. That's why, you know, you mentioned like they're going to trade and figure out how to build their own bridges. I think that's all going to be done with trying to remain competitive. Just, I just don't think they're going to be super that good. Yep. I kind of have them right. 37 and 45, sort of like right below that line. Yeah. I think they'll be in the 35, 36 close, but all right. Charlotte Hornets, 31 and a half. Last year they went 27 and 55. They got the number two pick, you know, we'll see if they made the wrong or right Mm -hmm. decision, but they took Brandon Miller. Um, and over Scoot Henderson, I think that was probably the first thing people were a little dubious about. However, I guess, I don't know, do they bring back Miles Bridges? I'm super confused because he was arrested again, but then he sh- he like posted a picture of practice. I have no idea like what his standing is, and I've not heard anything from the league. He is suspended for the first like 10 games of the year from last year, right? So this is all very confusing, sort of learning in real time. Everyone else is the same. Most importantly, LaMelo is in theory healthy. Mm-hmm. Like LaMelo only played eight games last year. Yep. Uh, no, sorry, not eight games. Um, How much did he play? 36 games. Apologize. So sorry, Cody Martin played seven, you know, Gordon Hayward played 50. So they had some injuries. I think they're a little bit healthier this year. I am going very slightly over five game improvement with a healthy LaMelo who also just got paid a, In theory, Miles Bridges, who when he played and putting aside all his like shitty character stuff is really good. Um, Brandon Miller, who I think at the very least can be decent, productive. Um, And then PJ Washington, who I thought came in his own last year and just got his extension. So now, you know, he's kind of a little bit more straightened out there. So I'm going slight over. I think they win low 30s.
0: I like the over as well. Jesus. Lock it in for me. Oh, lock wow. in the over. So actually, you put me on this. I think in our last podcast, you talked about how the Hornets the year before. I forgot it, right? Because the Hornets are pretty irrelevant team. And I went back and looked at it. And they yeah. were a 43-win team the previous season. And they bring four of those five starters back. They bring less starters back. You talked about LaMelo missing most of the season. I think the reason I'm pretty confident is, look, they were 20th in defensive rating last year. And that's not great. That's not good at all. But given that roster construction... I think that's actually pretty impressive. And I think Steve Clifford has always been a good, pretty good defensive coach. Yeah. But they finished 30th on offense because they literally did not have LaMelo. They had all these injuries, like you mentioned. I think this team, when LaMelo's healthy, is a good offensive team and they've got a high defensive floor because of Clifford. And so I'm putting faith in that and Steve Clifford as a coach, the fact that this team was a 43 win team just when they had a lot of the same pieces healthy. And I think the Miles Bridges one, it is – I have no idea what's going to happen, but I still feel like they have enough talent. And Brandon Miller, look, a lot of people have been making fun of Brandon Miller, but he's he's shown a lot of flashes in the preseason, some in Summer League, and now we can clown on him for some of the shooting and things like that. But
1: I have a feeling he could actually – Literal shooting, or did you mean his (laughs) –
0: No pun intended. On the court. (laughs) Both. Um, So I I actually think that this team, the floor is what they're – total wins are right now. So because of that, I like the lock. They'll probably clear this by, um, a few wins, at least three, four wins. I could see them winning 34, 35. So lock it in. Can I ask you a question?
1: Is LaMelo good? Like you look at his numbers, he's 23 game eight and six. He was the youngest all-star, I think maybe ever or second to Kobe. Like he made it in his second year, which is, we sort of forget about it, but that 43 win season, he also jacks threes with reckless abandon. It looks like like he shoots 41% from the field, of which a lot of these, he takes 11 threes a game, which, he, you know, to his credit, last year he hit a 38%. So I feel so, but his advanced numbers are terrible. Just, I can't get a read. It almost reminds me, different kinds of players, but it reminds me of early career John Wall, <laughs> who because he had a ton of volume opportunities, his numbers look pretty decent. They never really won, and his advanced numbers were not good. And you couldn't really tell—is he not a winning player, or does he just have a bad um, sort of, you know, uh, infrastructure around him? What, like, what do you think about him? Because they just committed 200 million to this guy.
0: To me, he's the bizarro version of Tyrese Halliburton, and I'll tell you what I mean mm. by that. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Lomelo, both can shoot from three, great passers, can be flashy, um, can lead an offense, but Tyrese is so much smarter, more yeah. efficient in the way he plays. LaMelo is just the more reckless version of that, right? Right. Where he's not taking the smartest three point shots like Tyrese would. He's making flashy passes, but not as, you know, kind of in rain as, as Tyrese would. Um, and so I think in what I mean by all this is if he can hone that with the right coaching, with the right kind of discipline, he can be, if we think Tyrese Halliburton is a good player, I don't see why LaMelo cannot be a version of that maybe not as good right but a version of that right but to your point i don't know how much of it is con- like you can't expect this is now year four this five? is now year five for him so at some point you become no, you year know, four you are who you this are this is year four and that hornets team the hornets organization is not a place
1: where players clearly right. thrive so and guess what they just went from michael jordan to gabe plotkin who got absolutely housed on the GameStop deal so i'm <laughs> not really holding out of hopes for like super strategic planning going forward so I, because of that, I don't know. It's a good question.
0: I, he is good. I just think that – how can you win with him as your lead guy? I think we already know that's – he can't.
1: There was a thing that we talked about on the pod. I want to call it like two or three years ago when it was like, which point guards would you take out of like rank these guys? And It was like Trey, SGA. Yeah. Maybe Halliburton and Lamelo. I think were the four because those were all like the young guys who we didn't really know. Yeah. And I think – well, I don't think any of us had SGA one, which is probably where we'd all have him now, where you and I would have him now. I think we had him like three behind Trey. Like, it's just so funny because now if you ask me that question, I go SGA one, I go Halliburton two. Yep. Then I go Trey Young, then I go LaMilla, which is yeah. kind of crazy because it's flipped on its head in just two years. Yeah, in two years, I mean, like, you might have even said Trey number one. Well, I think I You I, did I, say I, Trey I, number yeah, one. Yeah, I did say Trey number one. And look, Trey, we talked about Atlanta, like, he gets a lot of heat for good reason. I also think because of all the things that it's easy to poke fun at like his defense and some of the shooting and decision making. Yeah. He's an absolute wizard passing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like you want to talk about LaMelo or Halliburton, like I think Trey is up there with like truly like the game's best passers and the best we've seen in you know the last 20 years. Like mm-hmm. in the Harden, LeBron, Jokic like that tier of passing, I think if he wants to be, he's that special. Yep. Um all right. Great. So that's the Charlotte Hornets. We are next going to the Chicago Bulls in Chicago, as we mentioned, hometown team, 37 and a half. So they went 40 and 42 last year, barely missed. You know, they were up on Miami in that playing game. So they were about to make the playoffs, end up missing the lot uh, playoffs. They gave up yet another pick to Orlando as part of the Vucevic trade. At least they brought him back on an extension and, This is another team that has only made changes around the edges. Like, I think Javon Carter was their big signing. Uh, They re-signed Kobe White. They re-signed Andre Drummond, Busevich. You still have Levine and DeRozan, Caruso. And, again, still no Alonzo Ball, who's out uh, likely for this whole season. Maybe for good. We don't know uh, with his knee injury. So, am I up on this first? I think it's me now. Okay, it's you. Go ahead. I'm going under. I actually had this penciled in for an
0: over because – This is a team that's not – like given based on the contracts they've handed out and the fact they've kept this roster intact, they're trying to win. And they're good enough. They have enough talent to be a 500 team. I'm going under because I think at some point the wheels have to fall off. And at some point the realization is going to come that they have to blow this up. Mm -hmm. And so despite them bringing everyone back, despite them being a team, like I said, who's trying to win games – I really think that this is the year finally where it might all kind of fall apart and they're going to have to do some serious evaluation. So that's kind of the extent of my analysis on the bulls, right? They're good. They are a good defensive team. They've got scores. They're good crunch time because of DeRozan, and all of that. But how much longer can you keep trotting out this roster and expecting something different? So give me the under.
1: The under. Okay. I just feel like 37 wins, like, even last year, which felt like a semi season for hell, DeRozan and Levine dragged him to 40. And I feel like Levine started off the year slow. He had coming off, I think, some knee scoping work in the offseason, and he really picked it up by season's end. I'm going over here. I just think between those two guys, there's just night to night talent and production that you always expect. And they also both play all the time. And so I agree. This is, look, look dude, this is not going to be a fun full <laughs> season. Like, they're going to be semi-miserable to watch like all the time, like your turn, my turn, like offense, like get stuck in the mud kind of thing. Busevich bricking a bunch of threes. Like Caruso will be fun, but only defensively. Like it will not be an enjoyable bulls experience. I think they will drag and claw their way to like 38 wins, 39 wins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, be like ninth or 10th in the play. in again, I think they're going to finish exactly sort of where they were last year. And uh, then DeRozan's a free agent, you know, what are you going to do about Billy Donovan? How do you turn this into something that actually makes sense versus you know where it stands right now? The only reason you could say under for me is if they decide to blow it up midseason, which I do think is a real possibility. Like out the door goes DeRozan, maybe even Levine. I don't know what his market's like with that contract, but you start to just pull the plug since you actually have your picks again and just go for broke. That would be a real possibility. I just don't know that this management Front office is going to do that yet because they kind of hitched their wagon to this this crew yep and i'm not sure how many years they have left to, to you know for the ownership to be patient with the rebuild so, so that's the struggle i'm having it's like i don't i think this front office is committed to making this
0: team work for, for better, better or worse well we've seen this happen where at some point like they realize there's a great offer on the table for derozan or levine and they just pulled the trigger right so i i'm building that into the expectation but you're right like all things they're healthy and they're committed to this team no reason they shouldn't win
1: 40. Yeah. No reason, but. The, I do think, you know, maybe they just have to make their bones on defense. Like, you know, they finished fifth in the league defensively last year. You're uh-huh. still waiting for something offensively from Patrick Williams, but he's already a pretty good defender. Uh-huh. You have Caruso, who's maybe the best perimeter defender in the whole league. Javon Carter's absolute bulldog. They gave him 40 million. So, like, I do think they're kind of committing to, like, let's just fucking strap people, you know, completely. And that might work, and that might allow you to win some, like, ugly, like, 91-84 type games. Um, and I think that's going to be their identity until – and then they just hope Levine and DeRozan take them home, like, down the stretch of games, right? That's that's basically going to be the philosophy here. Yep. Um, all right. Cleveland Cavaliers. So, you were under. I'm over on that one. That was our first disagreement. We were four for four prior to this. The Bulls, you mean? Yeah. Yep. Cleveland Cavaliers, 50-and-a-half. They actually went 51-31 and 31 last year, had a really embarrassing round one loss to the New York Knicks. They made two fairly sizable free agent moves. They brought in Max Struess. They brought in uh, George Niang. Um, other than that, they have kind of their quartet in place with Mitchell, Garland, Allen, and Mobley. First in the league defensively last year. Um, pretty much wire to wire. They were awesome defensively the whole year. Somehow couldn't rebound for shit despite having Allen and Mobley on the court. We can get to that, but it reared its ugly head in the playoffs. Anyway, I am under on this. I think they win 48, 49. I actually think Allen gets traded this year and they try to convert Mobley to a full-time center. He is not developed offensively the way we thought. And so in that case, you can't really have a four man who can't shoot in today's world, right? Even a team like Minnesota, we can talk about whether their pro- program is going to work or not. But two of their three centers, quote-unquote, Kat and Nasreed are down, sorry, knockdown shooters, and Mobley's just isn't. So I think you trade Allen. Um, you got to figure out how to get Mitchell to stay if you want him to stay. There's already a ton of rumblings about him being on the way out. So I think I'm under. I think it's going to be a good team. It'll be a top-six playoff team. I just don't see them sort of in the 50 mark uh, again this year.
0: I'm an under as well uh, on this one. It's they were really good last year. I think you raised a good point. The mid, the Allen Mobley pairing, as good as it worked in the regular season, as uh, on defense, um, it was very clearly exposed in the postseason. And clearly, this isn't something. It's something that's going to cap the ceiling of their team. I think, like you said, the ceiling where this team needs to head is Mobley at the five, and I think they're better off moving off Allen quicker then sooner than later. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but um, while Allen still has value. And so, and Mobley he's stagnated. I, I mean, I think we all he's young. We've all but we all expected
1: him to take a bigger leap last year. Um it was only his second year, right, last year? Uh last year was his second year. Second ago. year. Him and Barnes, right? they were both like, "Oh, these are the guys."
0: Yeah. And and maybe that's not fair, but that's I mean, given you how high he was drafted and the
1: expectations he should be better on the environment, environment, right? Like he's got two dynamic yeah. scores. He doesn't have to be like the guy. So you expect a little bit more from him. So I, I do. I mean,
0: they're asking people are asking them to be or the rec Vegas is asking them to be the same team they were last year. So I think they fall a little bit short. Um They added Struis and Niang and, you know, they
1: made some moves around the edges that are nice. But yeah, I mean, they couldn't shoot. So they went and addressed that. However, Struis was terrible shooting the ball during the regular season last year. He picked yeah. it up in the playoffs, but. One of the reasons that Miami offense was so bad was Gabe Vincent and Max Bruce were not making shots. Mm-hmm. So you know now you go pay him sixteen million a year to be a knockdown you know shooter. I'm not sure he's exactly that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and you think about it, this team was also a team that started off hot, remember? Yeah. And then they kind of faded a little bit down the stretch, we had right a ton. But
1: um, I mean, for a while they were like a what two seed. They were, yeah, they were two seed. I think for almost through the All Star break, I want to say,
0: yeah. So I, I think you know what they were post All Star is probably a little bit more representative of them for this season. So
1: I'm going under. But this is not just right because up. I also have been playing a lot of two K with him, but I do feel <laughs> like Darius Garland, is, oh my God. Is, <laughs> under, is underutilized. Like I don't, I feel like he should be better. Like he should put up bigger numbers. He should get more like national recognition. Like to me. He is, you know, we just had that conversation about the four young point guards. We didn't even put him in it, and he probably deserves to be in that conversation. I think he's a top 30 player when healthy and when, you know, engaged, and I just feel like whether it's because Mitchell is a de facto point guard a lot of times or whatever else, he just sort of isn't always in the mix the way I want him to be. I I know what you mean. I think it's just because of Mitchell's presence. I mean, he's a
0: guy that even if the team might be worse, but he could put up. You can put him
1: close to thirty again. Not, like thirty is probably like twenty five. Like twenty five, easy. Yeah. Like I want, I could see him being like a twenty four and nine kind of guy.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And he made an All Star team doing something similar, right? He so, did. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like uh, there's, there's work to be done. But I'm really curious about uh, Mobley's progression. Again, we are too quick to judge. It's not like his career is written because he didn't average like twenty two and eleven in year two. Guys like when when the Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett comparisons get thrown around, it's unfair to someone like Evan Mobley who's not in that stratosphere. I mean, few are. So I expect him to be better. I just think I don't know that we can count on shooting because yeah. that's the big issue with the way they play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, Detroit. Um, here we are, with Detroit. Okay, so they, I'm looking at 17-65, and lessers So their over-under is 27 and a half. Um, Cade is back. Cade mm-hmm. played, I think, ten games last year. Yep, he's back. Allegedly healthy, looks good. Has looked good in in the summer and Team USA and things like that. Oscar Thompson, fifth overall pick. Um, and then after that, it's the same crew. Yep. Uh, it's, it's this weird like group of like four bigs. They got Bagley. They got Wiseman. They got Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran. Um, Duran also looked really good for Team USA select team. They still got Bogdanovich, still got Jaden Ivey, Killian Hayes. Like, who the hell knows? This is like a random collection of players. So, where are you on Detroit? Give me the under and lock it in. Okay, that's your third. So, your locks, Atlanta over, Charlotte over, Detroit under. Yeah, and I
0: okay. I, uh, I, I like the names on the straw. I mean, they've got a lot of promising talent, right? The fact that Cade's coming back. Austin Thompson looks amazing. Um so far both thompson twins look both big. thompson twins jade and ivy showed a lot of flashes right he stole raw a lot of promise so they've got talent in the roster but i just like this collection of talented guys that's not enough to win 28 games in my opinion like i this is the worst team in the east mm. them or washington right so how's the worst team in the east gonna win 28 games even if they're the second worst i just don't see it i think um historically the second worst team in the West or in any conference. Well, last year, I guess the second worst team won 27 games, the Hornets, but it's asking them a lot to win 28, 29, 30. So I'm giving the under. And I I just think that they don't care about wins anyway. They want to see if these guys pan out who's talented,
1: who's not. I'm taking the under. I'm under as well. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this team. Two things I'll say. One, we may owe Sacramento an apology for clowning the, Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey pick. I I owe them an apology. Which as well, Keegan yeah. Murray right now, I think I would take over Hayes. Sorry, not over Hayes, over Ivy. No shit. What? Well, I mean, because he's like still older. Lines, he's still two years older. I right? don't care. He's so much better. No, he's two years older, and Ivy, like you said, he showed flashes just because he didn't come in day one and become a star it doesn't mean he can't ascend.
0: That's one thing. But it's so much easier to find a guard, a talented guard, Everyone than it is that, a wing. Is that
1: even true? Is that yes. actually true? Yes. You look at a guy like Darius Garland. You just talked and about he averaged That's- sixteen a game, five assists, four rebounds. Like it wasn't like he was chopped liver. And he's what? He's how old is this kid? He's twenty last year. So he's twenty one. Keegan Murray is let's see. He's twelve a game. Better three point shooter, obviously. Asked okay, to he last, played for better a playoff. So yeah, yeah. That that twelve is more
0: valuable than but sixteen. But he's three chunking. years older than Ivy. Dude, I know the age, that's, look, that was a big
1: reason I wanted Ivy to begin with. But we can't, the age thing at some point, like, it shouldn't matter that much. It's not that it matters in that 23 is an old player. It matters in, like, what you can assume their ascension will be. That's the key. Sure. Like, look at uh, Chris Duarte. When he came into the league, he was lighting the league on fire because he was, like, 40. And he played at Oregon forever, played somewhere else. So he came in, he was, like, physically already there. He was a spot, you know. Amazing shooter. And guess what? He never got better. I'm not saying Keegan Murray is in that mold, but I am saying that like there are certain reasons why four-year seniors are not drafted. Because you got to be like a freaking baller in college if you're 22, 23, playing against 18-year-olds and not dominating them.
0: Yeah, I well, I agree with that, right? But you act like he was a four-year player in college. He played two years. He played one more year in college than Well, then than Why Dan is he Ivy.
1: twenty-three years He's old? He's an old player for his age.
0: It's kind of like us. We're old for our class, right? Are so, we? Yeah, I thought we we're middle tier. No, we are. We're old for our class. You're Jan '89. Yeah, December '88. Easy. Most people in our but class were born name. in like late '89. Like don't on, on the 89. web. <laughs> so, um, anyways, so my point okay. is, you played one year more than Ivy. And you're acting like that is the big difference
1: between, like, their trajectories. But how old is this dude, actually? Like, he was born in August of 2000, okay? And then Ivy was born February of 2002. So he's, like, a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half older. Why are you acting like it's a huge difference? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what are you talking about?
1: Well, Ivy also shaved his dreads this year. He he pulled a Markel (laughs) Fultz. So what is that? How do you factor that in? Um, I mean, to help Fox. Yeah, exactly. Fox to the drugs. Right. Um, okay, so I'm under on Detroit. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is I am going to go on the record and say I don't think Cade is that good. Number one overall pick. has sort of been mystery man in the league for the last couple of years. He's got the size. He sort of looks the part of being a stud. Yeah. But he just never makes his shots. And, so I don't know when to start like caring about that. I just I'm not a Cade Cunningham guy and I thought I would be because I loved him coming into the league. The shooting worries you. Right.
0: Um and I mean even he'll be good, but is he first pick good? He's 31% from 3 in his career. Yeah. Um I know I agree. I'm I'm actually not that high on Cade. Um I mean we guy. haven't seen enough of him to really be that dismissive, but for a first pick, I don't see enough to Think that was- I mean, the numbers are decent,
1: like 26 and 5, and that's fine, but like the shooting yeah, is just. You can't shoot. I mean, Simmons yeah.
0: put up 26. 26- I'm not saying he's Simmons, right? Not at all. Kate can shoot better, but Simmons put up 26 and 5.
1: Yeah. Something about it doesn't sit right with me. And maybe it's a uh, who are we talking about with LaMelo, with the team yeah. around him blows. And that could be a situation here too. But that just, it just leaves me wanting. Yep. Anyway. All right. Indiana, 38.5. They went 35 and 47 last year. Um they made a decent number of moves. You know, they brought in Obi Toppin. They brought in Bruce Brown on mm-hmm. that sort of two year deal, one year, really a one year deal to, to sort of be the spark plug in that offense. They drafted um who do they draft? The kid from uh UCF? Or no, that was that was uh drafted the kid from Houston, um, top um, ten. Jalen Smith,
0: no. That was what's his name?
1: Whatever the guy's name is. <laughs> Big college fans over here. <laughs> um, the kid from University of Houston, they drafted him top 10. Obviously, they have Halliburton. They extended him on a, on a max. Uh, they extended Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. And they are likely to trade Buddy Heald, basically. Uh, they're working on a deal with him. I assume he's still going to play until that happens because, you know, Heald is not the type. Hield's played 82 games, I think, every year. Jarris Walker. Jarris Walker, yeah. yeah. Um, So, 38 and a half. Is it me? Yeah, it's you lock over Mm -hmm. um this is my favorite bet in the whole league and i think if halliburton played last year the whole year they would have hit this mark and i think they got a lot better with bruce brown who i think is perfect for them ob Toppin, you put a passer like halliburton around athletes who can run dunk cut all those things good things will happen I think Miles Turner had a really underrated season last year because, you know, he's been in trade rumors for so damn long. It's like that was more his persona than what was actually happening on the court. And look, Halliburton only played 56 games. Um, He was amazing. He's 50-40-90 basically in his career, which is, you know, or close to it, which is is really stunning for just that, um, you know, that young of a player. And I feel like he gets it. Like, I know, look, you're a little... You can say what you want. You're not the biggest Halliburton guy as a result of some personal projections around how it means that the um you know that the uh the Kings did in that trade. I will say though, he's a great player. Sabonis is a great player. It was a good trade and, you know, when he played, they did well. And I don't see why that should be an issue. They clearly rested him down the stretch. So that's where I'm at with it. I went over as well. Uh I almost locked it as an over, because I really do believe they're going to be much better,
0: but I didn't because there's enough slurping on this team as it is. Like everyone's on the over,
1: so uh, this I, is I like saved a Detroit under, like right? Or what was the other one you said? Everyone's on something, and you and I both were too. Everyone's on the over for Charlotte, maybe. Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte, Atlanta too, to some extent. Yeah. Right. So in the
0: Pacers, but this is the one everyone loves, and and the logic is sound. The logic is when Halliburton plays, they were a playoff team. That, that's the bottom line. They were a playoff team when Halliburton played those 56 games. When he was out, wheels kind of fall off, fell off. So I, I think there's no reason they shouldn't have hit 41-42 wins. Uh, the reason I'm not going to lock it in is because this collection of talent is still... Look, they're going to trade Buddy Heald. They're not going to get a better player out of it. They'll get a pick. They'll get future assets. And Heald was a big... Contributor to their success last year. So you're banking on Mathurin second year, right? You got, yeah, fine. Jairus Walker, Jalen Smith, some young guys, but it's not, I don't think, I think Tyrese Halberd is amazing, but this roster is not a roster that screams 45 wins. And, and it's so much harder to make that jump from, Oh, this is a, you know, we surprised everyone last year, competitive, this, not to a team that's legitimately in the playoff mix as a six, seven seed. So, I think they will. I think they're a playoff team. They're going to be really good with Halliburton playing a full season. I just think that the collection of talent is enough to give me pause to say it's a lock. And things, you know, things could go wrong and they could fall maybe short of this potentially.
1: But for the most part, it's a lock. Interestingly, Bruce Brown, (coughs) now the highest paid player on the team, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. um, Till Halliburton's extension kicks in. I think, look. Matherin is the guy that's the X factor here. Yep. Like he played really well for the first two, three months of last season, hit the wall and then tailed off shooting dropped. He wasn't as dynamic. He was like, you know, Palo was great start to finish, but Matherin was making some real rookie of the year runs. And he got replaced essentially by uh, Jalen Williams. If he can revert back to that guy, which is, you know, teens, high teens scoring close to 40% from three really, really solid defense. I think it'll be helpful. Cause To me, that'll replace a little bit of what Heald could do, and they're going to change the way they play a bit. Instead of sort of methodical half-court, final open threes, I think it's going to be more run-and-gun. I mean, dude, they've only finished 19th in the league in offense. It wasn't like they were just like, you know, couldn't be stopped on that end. I think they got stuck in the mud a lot. Some Mm -hmm. of that can be attributed to Rick Carlisle actually, because as good as a coach as he is, he plays slow, and Mm -hmm. I feel like he plays a little bit plodding. But also with Carlisle, you'd expect better than the 26th-ranked defense. Um and so I do think they added good defenders, um, both Brown and and uh, Toppin. I think can be good defenders. And Jarris Walker is known for his defense in college, so that replaces some of the minutes that went to like one way players like a Buddy Hield. So over lock, but you have it as just a regular over, right? Yep. Okay. Miami Heat, eight seed, run to the final. We don't need to slurp them any more than we yep. already have. Lost Gabe Vincent, so they went. 44 and 38 last year, almost missed the playoffs entirely, then went on a heroic run, like we said, all the way to, to lose to the Nuggets. 44 and a half is their number. They did lose Gabe Vincent. They did lose um, Max Struess. They added Haquez and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Like, other than that, it's just guys who didn't play much that may play more this year, like a Jovic or uh, Haywood Highsmith. You know, they have a full season of Kevin Love. They picked him up last year, and he ended up becoming a starter for them. So, of course, Butler and Bam are still there. Hero is back. Where do you have Miami?
0: So this number dropped quite a bit. I'll, um, I remember a week ago I saw a book. It was like 48 and a half. Really? 47 in some book, and now it's it's dropped. Um, so I'd like the under on that. I'm going to go the over. I just – I find it really hard. There's a lot of concern to this team. right? You said they barely made any moves. They lost some key rotation guys. This roster is a year older with across the board. I think, though, that 44 wins, 44 and a half, they can hit it. I think Hero's return is huge. Um, Some of those guard minutes that used to go to Vincent Struis will replace that with with Hero and his production. And he's still a good player. I think there's a lot of – he got – his name kind of got dragged again because Miami is putting him as the front like the main part of that trade package. And everyone was like, dude, really hero yes. for Dame Lillard. But I think that kind of obfuscates the fact that he was actually really, he's a good player. He is a good player. It's getting dumb how much he's getting criticized. Yeah. It's getting dumb. So I think he, having him back for a full season will be huge. And I think they look, they resurrected Duncan Robinson last year for a while. It looked like that was the worst he contract. in NBA. To, yeah. Maybe it's still not a great contract, but, and love uh, Caleb Martin, like, Maybe it was a flash on the pan.
1: What he did, right? I mean, yeah, I would say he, him tailed he off. He out the, Jason Tatum to Jason Tatum against Boston. In somehow. The, yeah, in the finals. But look, there's enough here. And
0: defensively, they were fifth still last year. They'll be good this year. Bam, two K. Bam is outrageous. Yeah, based on what Bam was doing to me in two K last night, he was night,
1: covering I like all, both <laughs> three point corners and the top of the key and the paint all at once. Just sprinting back and forth.
0: So get. Give me the slight over on this one. 46 wins, 47 wins. I think they're... um, And look, there's a team that oscillates between good season, bad, good, bad.
1: They were a one seed just two seasons
0: ago. I think they can hit 45 wins. Not hard.
1: I should take the over, but I'm going under. And it's only for one reason. I should say two reasons. One is Kyle Lowry was able to move back to the bench... When you had Gabe Vincent and he is 36 now, right? 36, mm-hmm. 37. He is like 25 pounds overweight. And I don't know how he's passing the Miami conditioning tests that are, <laughs> you know, you have to take every day. I don't like that. He's going to probably come back and be the starter. now you can get away with out starting him like Jimmy Butler, the de facto point Tyler hero can play a little point, but they're going to start Larry. He's probably going to end up being counted on for 25, 30 minutes a game. So that's point one, which really makes me nervous. They had Gabe Vincent last year. They don't have that option now. Point two, Jimmy always misses like 20 games a season. I just feel like they're way less conditioned to, to withstand that, especially because, bam, you want as, as special and talented as he is defensively, you want him to be a 22, 23 points per game guy, and you know he can do it because he clearly does all the time. And then sometimes he just completely turtles. And it's very frustrating as a better of BAM points at different times in life. But then more specifically, like, how is he going to carry the offense when Jimmy's either hurt or off the court? So I don't really like this Miami team this year. I know we have the lore of what they are every single season, but I'm going under. Um, I think they're 7, 8, 9, and I think they'll find their way into the playoffs. And then there'll be a different force to be reckoned with at that point.
0: That's totally fair. Uh, I just the number is so low. It's low. It's low. And like, like you're telling me. You, so you like Chicago winning forty games and Miami winning? I mean, last year they placed right now. they were in the play in right. But I just don't see that happening again. But I, I, I can see that.
1: It's a fair point. Um, however, I actually think Chicago. Well, yeah, now I'm going to look like an idiot when Miami's like 49 and 33 and Chicago's like <laughs> traded all their players for spare parts. I'm going to stick with it. You can't No, no, I mean, me. like, yeah, that that's fine. And I, I also think here's another part that's...
0: I don't know how you factor these types of things in. I think Pat Riley's pissed. A what? The Heat are pissed. Oh, because the damn pissed. stuff? Yeah, I think... And does that mean anything? I think they're going to be... Really push. I mean, they push hard every year, but this year and if they're they might be opportunistic too about a trade if things are not going well. So this is not a team that is going to ever sit on their hands, let things go. So they're definitely going to be gunning and making aggressive
1: moves. And so I'll bake that into my my prediction. Should we do that? Who is the guy? That you think ends up on Miami?
0: I hate playing this game with Miami because there's like, how many photoshops have we seen of different players in in that, Miami? The part of the problem is like the Heat jerseys
1: look so clean, yeah. So like the, the photoshops in the yeah. black Heat, yeah.
0: like how I saw was obviously that? a
1: ton of Beal ones yeah. uh, before you know before yeah. he kind of went off, like I was like, damn, he looks cool in that jersey. Now I'm seeing John Wall ones, except they're posted by John Wall. <laughs> He's a- Hoping to get an opportunity. Is he going to play? I don't think, he, I think he's done. Dude, I haven't thought about John Wall in like, I don't know how long. So I, I think about him. I think <laughs> this is already his second mention on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you think about him all the time. I have a bad habit of searching X every week or so. For as John you know, Mall. Just to see if there's any news. The and news will come directly from him, right? I just feel like that's
0: the only he thing should you should get. get no one else is talking about him except himself. Yeah.
1: Um... All right. So next up, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Sorry,
0: I was just looking at his latest post. It's him working out. Year twelve loading, but what's loading? It's not it's
1: stuck. I'm exactly what's the, loading. I don't blow know on but... the cartridge again. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Um. Yeah. Like I don't think he's gonna play. Um. I don't know. All right. Though, actually, now what's happening is Bronny James was introduced yeah. at USC's Midnight Madness, and yeah. he was doing, like, John Wall's Dougie Dance. Yeah. Oh, so that, now he's back. It, he's that. trending for that reason versus, like, him potentially having an option to play. The John Wall, the Dougie Dance, randomly, came, like,
0: um, I don't know, on TikTok and stuff, people are talking about it. It randomly, like, resurrected
1: for a dance that's, what, 10 years old? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm looking at these Keyon guys. Anthony. Are, yeah, <laughs> no, I know I saw that video. Just like, what are these guys doing? This is bad. I don't know what what he's up to, but this is we gotta fix this. All right, New York Knicks. Sorry, the no, Milwaukee Bucks. Fifty eight and twenty four last year. Their over unders half. Uh, we've talked about the Giannis and Dame pairing a bunch, so we'll go quick through this one. I'm on the slight under. Um, I think they're gonna have to work out some kinks. Like I said, I think they'll play hard this year. I just don't think the machine is going to be as, like, kind of spun up. It will be by year-end, and I actually believe, I really believe that the Titanic battle that we are we are owed is Milwaukee versus Boston again in the playoffs, mm-hmm. ideally conference finals. I just think they'll be slightly under, win probably 52, 53 games, and, and make it in as a top-three seed in the East. I'm also a little bit under. Uh,
0: same reasons you mentioned. New coach, kinks to work out. And the reason Milwaukee is so dominant every year in the regular season is they put the freaking clamps on teams. When they're playing like Charlotte on a Tuesday night, yeah. when they're playing a team like the Bulls, when they're playing teams that are worse than them, it's like even the, like a team like the Kings, it's a wrap. Like yeah. Because of the defense, because they've been playing together for so long, they don't lose those games. This is the kind of season where there's enough happened to the roster. You don't have Drew's defense day-to-day. You've got Dame, you've got... Other questions are on the wings that they will lose those games in the regular season that they typically would not. And I think that is enough to push them to like 51, 52. Um, Like you said, they will be good by the end of the season, but that's why I'm going under. So,
1: I'm really intrigued to watch um, how Dame settles in just in terms of like this is the first time in his career, except for maybe early days with LaMarcus where he isn't the alpha. And even that, he was better than Lamarcus. He just had to get older. Clearly he's not better than Giannis. And Giannis is in his prime nope. as like the apex predator in the league. I'm just really curious because they don't what's nice about the pairing is they do different things. So it's not like one guy has to stop doing what he's doing for the other guy to do his thing. However, Giannis's biggest problem is he thinks he can just like start at the top of the key and just run forward <laughs> into the towards yep. the goal. And it doesn't work like that. That's why he turns the ball over late game. Dame will fix some of that, but what will Giannis do when it's like, "Hey, the ball needs to be in my hands, um, and I'm not a role guy"? Because that, you know, that always has a perception like you're not as talented; you're just like on the receiving end of things.
0: Yeah, it's hard for players to, to like, in theory, Dame playing off ball, this, that, it works, but that is something that they're going to have to get used to. Dame mm-hmm. will have to get
1: used to in the regular season for sure. So, right, all right. Next up, the New York Knicks. 47 and 35 last year. Their over-under is 45 and a half. Fourth offensively, uh, which I thought was really stunning. Obviously, Jalen Brunson was incredible for them. Um, they made it to the semifinal, Eastern Conference semifinals. They lost uh, not really a competitive series versus Miami after they absolutely housed Cleveland round one. Their big move was essentially swapping Obi Toppin for Dante DiVincenzo who they signed to a decently large deal. They are rebuilding the 2016 uh, Villanova Wildcats team. They got three of those guys now. They just need to bring Mikael Bridges home. Um, where do you have New York? I wanted to go over, uh, and I saw the number,
0: and I'm actually going to go a slight under. Slight, slight under? The slightest of unders. This is one I just see them hovering right at that mark. I think, like you said, Offensively, they were really good last year. Defensively, they slipped. Um, I think this is a team that with Tibbs, Tibbs teams, they do this thing where they alternate between they like especially the Knicks. They have a really good year, then they kind of had a letdown, then really good year to letdown. I think this year's gonna be a little bit of a letdown come down because they've kept the roster pretty much the same. They added Dante DiVincenzo. Fine. Right. But outside of that, I just don't I'm not that excited by this roster. I think last year was exciting because they hadn't been in, you know, it was a Good team. They won the first round. New York was, you know, the, the what you want call Madison Square Garden was popping off every night. I don't like this team that much to say that they're going to be 46, 47, 48. Like, I, so I don't have much to say except I'm going under.
1: <laughs> well, last we saw Julius Randle, he was limping and pouting off the court as another yeah. playoff series went by with him being completely invisible. I'm on the over, though. Okay, I'll say two reasons why. One, I just think, to your point, Tibbs does wear people out. However, Brunson is the leader here. And I think Brunson is amazing for what the Knicks need. Like, he was not very good for Team USA because he's not a superstar of that caliber, and the USA needed him to be. But what the Knicks needed to be is the leader, the facilitator, the captain. He's going to get his points, but he can also get other guys involved. I really liked what I saw from R.J. Barrett in team Canada. And you know me, I over index on international play. Oh, like, of course. Yep. But I thought he looked really good, uh, more confident, a little bit more accurate. He's going to have his nights, right? Where he's four of 21. We know this, but overall, I think he's going to be able to pick it up a little bit more. And the biggest thing to me is like, they can still make trades that does not affect their core, but adds talent. And so they have a bunch of picks that they control all of their own, plus three or four others, you know, That doesn't have to be Donovan Mitchell or Carlin Anthony Towns or, you know, some of these or Joel Embiid or whatever. But I do think it can be guys who are pretty impactful, even if it's a couple first. Like, let's say they went and added like a buddy healed one first. And, you know, I don't know, Isaiah Hartenstein or something, you know, and like some salary. Like, I just think you can go make those kind of moves and be a little bit. You could overpay a little bit because of how many assets they have just from a pick standpoint. They have contracts to match. You still have the Fournier money. Um, I'm a fan of this Knicks team. I don't know. And, like, Madison Square Garden, they're going to be bumping <laughs> you this. Can't, you can't get swayed <laughs> by that. They're be absolutely bumping this year. And I'm going slight over. 45 and a half. Yeah, that's a high bar. I just picked my under on Miami at yeah. 44 and a half. I so. mean, yeah, they won 47
0: last year, right? And to keep the same core. I mean, the argument for the over two is also to bring him back the same
1: core. And they're do McBurns we really think in. the West got – I mean, sorry, the East got better? Miami and – uh, Milwaukee might have, but what about everyone else? There might be more wins to have, sure. But I think you're going to have tougher
0: games against Orlando. You're going to have tougher games against Charlotte. You're going to have tougher games yeah. against
1: Indiana. Like These teams at the bottom are just much harder. Um, How many times do they play the Wizards? <laughs> uh, that needs to be four right there. Or how about they go get Siakam or something, or Ananobi? Like I
0: mean, sure, they should, but I don't know.
1: Like, Toronto's holding those guys hostage for a God knows what kind of return. Dude, I don't know what, and we'll talk about here and them here in a second. I don't know what it is they're trying to plan for, yeah. but it's not something that it, makes a ton of basketball sense. Yeah. Um, all right, so you're under. I'm over on the, Magic, sorry, the Knicks. Now the Magic, 37 and a half, 34 and 48 last year. Lottery team, they actually had two lottery picks because the Bulls trade. so they picked up Anthony Black from Arkansas and um, the kid, John Howard's son from Michigan, Jed mm-hmm. Howard. Add that to the core that pretty much all comes back. You know, Paolo and Franz at the top, Wendell Carter, Fultz, Suggs. A lot of guys. There's just a lot of dudes on this team. You probably think they need a consolidation at some point. I don't think they're going to necessarily rush into it, but I'm still going to go over just on the strength of What I saw with with Wagner and Paolo this summer for Germany and the USA. And then also, like, Paolo has superstar written on him. I know the shooting splits tailed off a little bit at the end, but just the way he can get to his spots on the court, his inside-outside presence. I think Franz is even better than Paolo and just underrated. Mm -hmm. I really expect Franz to contend for an all-star spot this year. Um, And I love – sorry, not Suggs. I love Fultz and the resurrection he's made in his career. Mm Mm-hmm. He cut the dreads like we talked about. I think time to get serious for him. Um, you know, Suggs is sort of the outlier. I just think maybe that was a failed pick, but that's okay. They had so many shots at the at, at the hoop that you're not going to hit them all.
0: I, uh, you know, when you first said you're chuckling, but it was about the international play. I actually thought you were going to be talking about you had those guys in 2K last night too. So uh, Franz was good. I, he
1: needs to get the ball more. Yeah,
0: and Paolo is good too. I'm uh, I'm going over. I actually really like this over. Um, All the reasons you mentioned, but this is a classic case of a team that's been kind of in that rebuilding mode for a little bit. You've accumulated enough talent and you have enough promise from both Paolo and uh, Franz Wagner to be your kind of your two anchors. Um, and they've got, look, they've got Joe Ingles on this, they've got enough guys to win 35, 36 games. Um, Paolo, I think he had an amazing rookie season. And the way they use him and the fact that he can do multiple things on offense, like, he's clearly someone you can build around. And to your point, Wagner being better? Um, you mean right now, right? I don't think Correct. I think long term. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I mean,
1: even probably by next year, might probably yeah. taking over. But like, my point but, is, Paolo's that talented, and I don't even think he's the best guy on the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I actually think this is a, a very good example of an over. They're just they, they were really good down the stretch last year. They won a lot of like games against good teams, I. This is a team I think out of those bottom teams from last year. This is a team that I thinks going to make a pretty nice jump. So I
1: almost locked it in, but I can't. I can't trust Orlando that much. So, so that's the question, right? Because like, how much is fool's gold of down the stretch? You know, everything looks. Yeah, people than it are is. resting. This yeah, that. Yeah. You that's one get... piece, and then the other piece is like. 38 wins like you're starting you're in playing range you are started jockeying with chicago the toronto indiana some of those are not going to make it right some of them are going to fall off like right now i feel like and i i'm guilty of this like i kind of don't know who's going to be bad outside yeah. of detroit and i outside of washington there are two three other teams that are going to be bad and this could mm-hmm. easily be one where they're still a year away and because they're so young and they have so many assets they're just like let's wait and let's not rush um I actually liked this as a Dame destination at one point. Not that it would make a lot of logical sense with the timeline, but just to fucking have fun. Like, whatever, (laughs) let's go get Dame with Paolo and Franz. Like, that's amazing. That would be amazing. Um, And, you know, they obviously wouldn't go do that. But, like, (laughs) I'm going to say something crazy. Is could this be a hardened team?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he would love to plan a team like that. Orlando's What's not the too. Orlando strip, club strip I was gonna say, I think, I mean, I think yeah, it's Florida. I think it's pretty solid. At the very yeah. least, you're not too far from Miami.
1: Right. I only know from second and tertiary sources, <laughs> but I believe it's <laughs> decent in Orlando. Oh, well, um, and it's
0: it's not too far from Tampa, which is
1: what could they give Philadelphia? Because Philadelphia's big thing is like they're not trying to be bad, right? Or trying to get they need win now players. That's what makes this harden deal so harsh. I don't know what but I don't know what you'd give. Like faults is not enough. Like, and put, untouchable, Wagner untouchable. So I think Foles would have to be in the deal, but you're really going to send Foles back to freaking Philadelphia? Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that piece. They won't do that. I don't know. I don't think they have anyone they could realistically. And they wouldn't put Wendell Carter into the deal because there's no need. No. Um, I, I don't – I actually don't think there's a deal there. It would have to be, like, Gary Harris for salary purposes and then, like, maybe they're young guys, like, Suggs. But again, Philly doesn't want to wait on these dudes to like may or may not turn out. Like they no. need guys who can win now. So anyway, um, all right. Philadelphia, speaking of which, they're over-unders 47 and a half. They went 54 and 28 last year, lost in round two to Boston in a, in a crushing game seven. They, uh, you know, we talked about Harden. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. At this point, if you had to bet my life on it, I would bet he does not finish the season on Philadelphia. I think they figure out a way to get this Clippers deal done. However, he certainly seems like he's going to start um, in the season in Philly. Who knows? Maybe something could get reported later today that he's on the move. He can actually—he has to show up within 30 days, or they can start count it as not in a crude season, which is really important because he wants to get to free agency. Mm-hmm. So he can show up, but then he can also completely, you know, just give up and do whatever—all the shenanigans. However, he does not have the standing in the league that he did. Back then. So anyway, Philadelphia, where are you at?
0: This and New York were the hardest teams for me. Mm-hmm. I I really want to go under. This number is so low, forty-seven and a half. I'm still – I'm just going to go under. I'm going to go under. under. I don't feel good about it. I actually do not like that. But I'm going to bank in the fact that I think they will move Harden. I don't think they're going to get the right return. And this, but the thing is, even without Harden, this is a team that's been killing it in the regular season. Embiid is good enough to win you games in the regular season. Harden, no Harden. I, I don't like Nick Nurse is a good coach too. Fuck it, give me the over. So I'm switching it. Give me the over. Give me the over. Forty-seven and halfs a little too low. I'm, I, I can't see if I'm saying they're under 47 and a half, and a half. I'm putting them around the Knicks, and I. I don't think they're going to drop off that
1: significantly. So I'm I'm switching live. Give me the over. I am. And this was going to be the first of this example of a lock that actually went against what you picked. I am a lock over. A lock over? Damn. I look no further than the 2021-2022 Philadelphia 76ers, which were dealing with Ben Simmons showing up to practice with a phone in his pocket. And him basically punting on any sort of uh, association with the team. They played without him all the way till mid-year when they got the Harden deal. Guess how many wins they had that year? 53. 51. 51 okay. You said it. You made the case for me. That's why I'm glad you ended up switching because I was like, you're sounding like this is the case for the over. and that's- Yeah,
0: I don't know. I, so, uh, yeah. I They seem like it's the under team, but you look at that number, seven wins less. It's And you're putting them near New York. And who else would be right around there? Maybe Miami. So yeah. I, this is a regular season team.
1: But Embiid is too good, and he's been durable in the regular season. He usually gets his injuries right around early April, unfortunately. But it doesn't count him out for a lot of the regular season. He's been amazing when he's on the court. Tyrese Maxey is better than any player they have than they, than they had two years ago when mm-hmm. I, when Ben Simmons didn't play. I think Maxey, without Harden, is going to make the all-star team. That would be one of my bold predictions. Like, let's say they go do a Norm Powell, Terrence Mann, whatever, whatever trade. And Maxi becomes the second best guy on the team. I think he's an all-star. I think he's at 24, 25 points a game. But he's that talented with the ball in his hands. I mean, I just think it's going to be really special. So, if I'm Philly, I am not thrilled, obviously, about having a championship window that Harden is, you know, putting a stick of dynamite in. <laughs> However there's a world in which this can still be workable and you may be better off without the stink of James Harden kind of around your franchise. Yep. Um, all right. Toronto Raptors, 36 and a half. They went 41 and 41 last year. Lost Fred Van Vliet. Um, pretty much everyone else comes back, right? Like, they, they re-signed Pirtle after the uh, mid-season trade. Siakam and Anobi are both upcoming free agents. Um, and I was split between them and Chicago of who I thought was most likely to blow it up. Yeah. And based on that, I went one over, one under. I think I'm going Toronto under. Um, they have a new coach, right? Like, I don't even know the guy's name, honestly. He's some, <laughs> yeah. some, some like, Serbian dude or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I never heard of him. They got Siakam, who was beefing with Nurse by the year end, and generally seems to be, like, more of a malcontent than I think people realize. And I think it's very possible him and or Ananobi are shipped at the deadline. Because, it like, think about how many players Toronto has just let walk for nothing. Yes, they won the title, but they lost Kawhi for nothing. They lost Kyle Lowry for nothing the year after, after they didn't want to trade him. They lost Gasol. Fred Van Vliet for nothing. Marcus Gasol. And now they're going to do this again with Siakam and Ananobi? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And, like, one of those two probably would stay. But I just find it that like kind of weird to chance that especially if they have another middling year, even if they do go over, they're not going to be in any way close to like real contention. So I'm going to bet that one or both is not on the team by year end and go under here. I like the under um, as well. They I've said this last couple of years, so I always think they're going to
0: blow it up. They don't, but I, I really do think this year because Siakamana and Nobi are going to be free agents. Um, but I think the other big thing is this is a classic case of the hired and new coach, they're gonna give it the you know, up until the trade deadline, right? Whatever, how many ever games to see that. Hey, with Nick Nurse out, because Nick Nurse, a lot of talk about how he'd lost the locker room, the guys weren't buying in. So I think Masai's plan is, hey, let's see what this roster can do with a new coach. Are they competitive? Is it worth keeping this team re-signing these guys? My guess is it's not going to be that much better than last year. Right, and then they'll he'll pull the trigger. Masai's got an ego. He's got an ego, and like you said, it's cost them because they let all these guys walk, and he thinks they can make it work. I think this has to be the year. It just has to be the year that they realize this roster is not good enough. They have to move some of these guys, and they will. So on board, under, I'm actually pretty confident that – I mean, they're a good team on paper, but given that they're going to blow it up and they're not going to get the return like the return they get for
1: Sacramento and Novi going to be in the form of picks yeah not in the form of good players so what i get confused about with Masai is he used to be the guy that would buck the trend be aggressive like the famed Rudy Go- Rudy Gay trade to to Sacramento which was like trading the much better player player but they improved because it was like an addition by subtraction the Kawhi deal which again they didn't give up a lot but to trade for Kawhi not even sure if he's going to show up or not like those are the kind of things that I always feel like were the staple of a Masai Jerry team. Now they're doing exactly what I feel like he denounced, which is like being conservative, sort of not picking a lane. They look like the wizards right now for the last the way they've mid managed these last couple of seasons. And they have a lot of talent. I'm not sold on Barnes as a guy. Mm, yeah. Last year was, oof. and last year was more indicative of how I thought of him coming out of the league, sorry, coming out of college. So I, I felt like his rookie of the year campaign was a little bit of an aberration for who I thought he was. And so that's why I'm not super surprised by it, but we'll see if he kind of turns the corner. I just don't have a lot of faith that he's going to become some superstar in this, um, which I kind of think is the way they're treating him, right? Like yeah. not putting him in Durant conversations two years ago, not putting him in Dame conversations, et cetera. Um, so anyway, I'm yeah. on the under as well.
0: I mean, the, the Kawhi deal uh, was four years ago. And since then he has done nothing, nothing aggressive. And I think, like, I'm telling you, it's a – the Kawhi deal, even then, he wanted to put his footprint or handprints on that team, reshape it the way he wanted to. Now he's got his
1: team, and I think he's just too prideful to, like, blow it up. Yeah. So, All right. To finish out the Eastern Conference, little old plucky squad in D.C., the Washington Wizards, 23-and-a-half, so the lowest in the conference by four wins. Um. They went 35-57 and 57 last year, and uh, yeah, they gutted the team kind of uh, in a way. They brought in Jordan Poole, out goes Bradley Beal. They brought it to Tyus Jones, out goes Christoph Porzingis. They re-signed Kuzma. They have Gallinari who's going to play, it looks like. They have Mike Muscala who's going to play. You know, they drafted Bilal Kulabali, who already looks like an elite, elite <laughs> defender from day one. Where are you on the Wizards? Give me the over. Give me the over. I Look, I'm crazy. I had them as an under, and then I'm
0: like 23 and a half. The roster is not horrific. It's not good. And the way pool has been shooting, like just green light in the preseason, it's it worries great. me. That's yeah, not, not That's idea. not good. But at the same time, Pool's the kind of guy who can win you a couple games just on the hot shooting nights. Look, they have too much here. I uh, and this year is just they're just going to be playing there. There's no um. pool and Kuzma are happy. You've got some vets. You've got, you know, enough NBA guys who are going to win you these regular season games. So 24 is not hard to ask for. So I'm going to go with a slight over. I know this is going to bite me in the ass. And you, as a Wizards fans, can tell me why I'm all wrong. No, but I'm, on I'm, t- I'm on the over.
1: I'm on the over two. I don't even think this team is that much different than last year. Well, you lose Beal and Porzingis. Beal, Pool, essentially. That's like the, the swap. The whole, all, entire city of DC was ready to punt Beal into the solar system by the end of that run, right? Like, how much worse is Jordan Poole than Bradley Beal? He's 10, 20%, 20% worse? 10% worse? Like, the version of Beal that we had last year. I'm not talking about the version this year, which is probably going to look awesome as the third option. <laughs> no. I'm talking about the guy, the top option in D.C., who didn't play all the time, who, when he played, was abhorrent defensively. Yes, he got you pretty good offense, pretty good playmaker, all that, but he wasn't a good three-point shooter at this stage of his career for whatever reason. I just think Porzingis is a bigger loss than Beal. I'll put it that no. way. He was the better player of the two last season, without, without doubt. I like... But are they going to be 12 wins worse as a result of that? Same coaching staff. I think this is a lame duck. Uh, well, actually, the extended West, I believe. So, like, I'm not really sure exactly what they're doing with him. So, we'll see if they if they choose. I mean, new management. Everyone likes the front office. So, I don't think they're going to, like, not be able to see the force of the tree. So, if there's a deal out there for Kuzma or Tyus Jones that makes them better long term, maybe they go for it. That would be the reason. However, I think there's enough talent here. Like 24 and 58 is still a really bad season. Yeah. I could see them in that range. I don't see them like a Detroit last season where it's 17-65 and they're just getting the doors blown off the, every single night. I just to me it's like there's enough guys that will win you some games like they they shouldn't and a couple that, you know, kind of handle their business.
0: And look, as much as Poole and Kuzma like we joke about how serious they take the game, their bad habits, the fashion show, come. did you see that? Yeah, the, yeah. It's like, hey, cool, guys, can you, can you maybe go to practice? And I, I just hate the pairing of them together because they're going to encourage each other's yeah, bad habits and things, right? But but I still, it sounds dumb, but they still come from good cultures. winning They cultures. both have a title. They both have a title, and that now they've got free reigns on a team that doesn't care, but at the same time, I still think that means something. They know
1: how to win games here and there, enough to be 24 wins. Tyus Jones is like the chaperone right now. Yeah. He's got to keep them in like, check.
0: The, the teams that are under 20 wins on a season to season basis
1: are teams, like you said, devoid of talent, all young talent, just crap. That's not the case. Just either. not that team. Kuzma and Poole are both better than anybody Detroit played a lot exactly. last year. Yeah. So you put Kate aside because he was hurt most of the year. Like they're both legitimate professional scorers. And I still think there's some talent around it. Like even a guy like Corey Kispert or Denny, these yeah. are good, like they're role players, yeah. but they're not like they're nice. bad. Yeah, yeah. I think Bilal is going to have moments. I mean, as jokes are like, I, seriously, you got to go watch these clips of him defensively. Right, fine, I will. I'll go he's watch game, it. like He had 10 steals in three games in the preseason. He's long. He's super long. But then again, you're going to get Jordan Poole 30 points and a half. And then next game, he's 1 of 15. That's yeah. the Jordan Poole experience. And Defensively, who knows? Oh, it's, going it's going to be, a be roller coaster. It's going to be, yeah. And he's going to play 35 minutes a game. Yeah. So. All right, that is the Eastern Conference. So let's just recap. Atlanta, we're both over. Boston, we're both over. Brooklyn, we're both under. Charlotte, we're both over. Chicago, I'm over. You're under. Detroit and Indiana, were sorry, Detroit and Cleveland, we're both under on each of those. Indiana, we're both over. Miami, I'm under. You're over. Milwaukee, we're both under. New York, I'm over. You're under. Philadelphia, we are – And Orlando, we are both over. Toronto, we are both under. And Washington, we are both over. So we've matched a lot. The three that we differed on, it was uh, Chicago, Miami, and New York. New York. My locks, Philadelphia over, Brooklyn under, Indiana over, your locks, Atlanta over, Charlotte over, Detroit under.
0: I don't like the fact that I'm betting on Atlanta and Charlotte, but.
1: I changed a couple of these while we were talking, and I now ended up with nine (laughs) overs in the East. I have nine and eight. So I need to figure out – you could argue in the West because there's going to be so much – some teams coming into the middle, given how competitive it is, you could see more teams going under it in that conference. I
0: don't know if that logic – That logic works for the over as well. True. That is true. Like, all the teams that are slotted in, like, the 30, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I was thinking, but, you don't have to have the same number, because one team could be under by 10 games that can make up. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it doesn't to have like, to
0: be an equal. Yeah. But on all things considered, it usually comes out pretty even.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I mean, in the West, just to preview for our next pod, there are – Nine teams between 43.5 and 47.5. And
1: it's wild. It's an absolute like At that bat.
0: point, we're just flipping a coin.
1: Absolute bloodbath trying to do this. We were not able to make it through both live pods this weekend. We have to leave now, um, go to brunch, watch football, go to the airport. So we're actually going to have to do the Western Conference one in Zoom. But this was fun to do this live. This is way better, way more – uh dialogue it's easy to just go back and forth i know why uh the ringer started bringing people back into the office now you just got to move to the bay
0: man we can do this on a regular basis or find me a job in chicago there's plenty we're building
1: up man a lot of a lot of you know fortune 500 companies have been a lot of conversation about places leaving illinois yeah i think we're starting to see more come back in we're gonna we're gonna figure it out here
0: actually i take that back don't i can't come to chicago this fan duel thing's gonna
1: bankrupt me so
0: It is wild.
1: (laughs) That's actually why we really need to sign off because we have one hour before the (laughs) kickoff early kicks to to get these parlays in. But, all right, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops on all major podcast platforms. Please shoot us a note. Let us know how uh, you're thinking about the season. And uh, always thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.